0: Get up, get, get up, get up.
1: Whew, wow. All right, welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Mets Up podcast, the official podcast of the New York Mets. This episode looks drastically different after what we just saw for the last few innings of that game three between the New York Mets and the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, I was ready to come into this episode starting off with a groan, a moan, a disgruntled sound. I was upset. It was not a great start. It was not looking good. But luckily, Hunter Strickland, ninth inning Mets, almost almost midnight Mets. It was a long game, a very long game. (laughs) They came back. And they won, and we're feeling great. We're buzzing. It completely did a a 180, 360?
0: 180. 360 would be the same spot. Okay, yeah.
1: We did a 180, and we're feeling great because, boy, oh, boy, this could have been a disaster of a loss. But luckily, we don't have to talk about a disaster of a loss because the Mets win. They win the series, as they seemingly do all year long. They win game one. They lose game two. They win game three. Of course, we're going to talk about everything that happened in this series as well as a little bit of our 4th of July activities because we have some fun things to talk about in our personal life that I'm sure you guys would love to hear us talk about as well as maybe maybe mention some trades as well So if you guys are not yet following us on our social media at Up everywhere If you're looking for the youtube video version of this check out the new york mets youtube channel the official channel Not not Up, the mets channel if you want to see the video version if you're listening to us Apple podcast spotify google podcast odyssey wherever you listen drop us a follow a rating a review It really does help us out and I mean I already brought you in but how are
0: we feeling after this game? Because I'm feeling so much better. Significantly better. This was going to be one of those episodes where we're going to have to tell people to not be really upset and not be really, really scared of what was to come. But When it was a really easy game to get upset. And like, I would have... Easy series too. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't say this game would have been a disaster to lose because the way it was going and the way you were going into it, like it wasn't really... Wasn't like a lopsided pitching matchup or anything. Just the way they lost on Tuesday that would have led into the way you could have possibly lost this game on Wednesday would have been extremely frustrating with just ground balls and not coming not getting a clutch hit. But Put that behind us. Yeah, no. Put it behind us. We
1: won game three. I mean, we normally go in order, but why don't I just jump into game three real quick because we're hot. It's hot 100%. on the mind. And the Mets, we had David Peterson on the mound, yeah. who just came back from Colorado because David Peterson's wife finally had her baby, a healthy baby boy. Finally. So happy for the Peterson family. I'm sure she's relieved as well that she's no longer pregnant. Absolutely. And just yeah, got the ordeal over with. Yeah. What was it? Like three
0: weeks of labor, it seemed I think, like. I think it was one actual week of labor. Which has got to be awful. I'm, I'm glad we never have to deal with that. <laughs> I, I don't, I, don't even, nothing, I Nothing I can even respond to about that. That's
1: true. That's true. And David Peterson, who's someone we've been really high on, started off the game kind of well and then kind of got a little bit cold. It was a little bit of a shaky start for David Peterson.
0: Well, Lish. Also, the Mets got on the board first in this game. It feels like a lifetime ago when this game began. At 6:40, it's 6 40. It's 10 40. We're starting to record it was this.
1: It's a four hour marathon yeah. of a game.
0: It feels like also the Mets have scored one of these patented first inning runs in a very long time, even as much as Brandon, Westog, and Marte have gotten on base. Pilonzo and Francisco <laughs> P. Pilonzo, Francisco Lindor, John made a joke. He said the game flew in our chat, which is not true, because he made this joke a couple days ago. And he, he slows down every single game. And he's the one who's trying to get to bed. And he's cracking jokes, extending the, the, uh, the recording. But we haven't had as much success driving in runs with the middle of our order, with Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso, kind of slowing down the run-producing pace over the last few weeks. Yeah. But Pete had a big two-out single to keep this first inning going, and Jeff McNeil, like he's done so many times this year, had a very big two-out first-inning RBI. So we're up 1 nothing. Peterson comes to the mound. It's like just right away, it felt not as good as the last few Peterson starts where he had, I think, 18 strikeouts and zero walks over his last two games started. He hit Jonathan India with a back foot slider, literally hit India's back foot. Yeah. First batter of the game with two strikes. And that's just how that Brewers game started. Remember about a month ago, we yes. were there, Ernesto's birthday, biggest Jonathan VR fan in the world. And he got a big double play to get out of that inning. And Peterson did do a good job in this game with so many base runners allowed not really letting anything snowball but the command was just very simply not there maybe it was the traveling back and forth to colorado the changing of altitudes mark has a theory that he's going to share right now yeah it looked like david pearson maybe puked i don't know he at one
1: point like put a fluid in his mouth it seemed like and sprinted into the clubhouse as soon as it like got in there he sprinted in came back out relatively quickly which makes me think he either had a, a flu game or or he puked. Maybe he just had to
0: chuck a little bit. And then he started to maybe feel a little bit better, but. The game kind of almost yeah. felt like it got shaky after he puked. It was just I think the whole thing was kind of shaky. Like there were tons of walks. He walked every single Reds batter 5 through 9 in the order, including their number 9 Heather Michael Papierski twice and Albert Almora once. Who Albert Almora coming into this game had I believe a 1.8 walk I think
1: rate. 2.8. 2.8. What incredibly yeah. low. That's like what one or two walks on the year. Probably. Peterson didn't particularly have it, but that being said, he was good enough.
0: Kind of, yeah, but also he walked Matt Reynolds. Like if there's anyone worse in baseball to walk than Albert Almora, it's Matt Reynolds. And he walked Reynolds before uh, uh, Nick Senzel. Nice little home run out to left field. Just swinging the bat pretty well. But he just had some good defense behind him. I mentioned a double play in the first inning. He made a nice play. He almost was so bold and ambitious that as he stepped on the bag, it was right after India got hit on the foot, and he was a little gimpy. He almost snapped through the third, but that would have been a little nuts. Nito bailed him out in the fourth inning with a back pick of Senzel, who was at second, yep. which was a ridiculous play. You yeah. don't, not many catchers in baseball do that. Also, the inning after Nito tried his patented knee throw, made a bad throw when Brand Drury was dead to rights on a hit and run that wasn't executed by Tommy Pham and you – you could have gotten out of the inning with no runs, but he got us back, and you also had RBI in between there too. Yeah,
1: no, Nito had a nice little game. Yeah. the throws have always been money. The knee throw, maybe, maybe not on every single throw. Maybe, yeah. maybe when it's only necessary. But hey, it happens. We still have Tomas Nito behind the plate. Catchers, catchers actually kind of made an impact in this game. Massive impact. Massive. We'll, we'll impact. get to that. We'll, we'll get to that in a second.
0: Wrap up Peterson. Even with five walks and less than four innings, he still had seven strikeouts and twelve whiffs. Six with his four seam fastball. Five with his slider was the return of Peterson's changeup. He threw it almost 20% of the time. Not that many whiffs with it, though. Not super effective. And he only actually allowed four hits, hilariously. And all four were on his four-seam fastball. So I think we're kind of in an amazing spot where a P- David Peterson has a bad start. And we can complain about it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, we expect so much better from Peterson now that... He can do something awful like this. I mean, it was awful in terms of like five walks yeah. in less than four innings, but still like limit damage, not letting anything spiral like we've seen Dave Peterson do in the past. And he's a little bit less experienced, less developed. He did enough along with the Mets bullpen to actually keep us in this game. Yeah, Donis Medina.
1: How many times have oh we talked God. about him stepping up in a game where he kind of needs to clean up? Adonis Medina. I mean, we've talked about this guy multiple times now on the podcast, but it feels like every time he comes in, he just does a really nice job of keeping the game close. He got up to like 49, 50 pitches today, which I thought was a little bit surprising. He's never going to do anything that makes you go, wow, Adonis Medina, like this guy's the next great things in sliced bread. Good good breaking ball. Good breaking ball, and he gets the job done for us. And again, kept the game close, which is exactly what the Mets needed, because we really were playing better offensively, sort of, kind of. We had what, like eight hits in the first five innings.
0: Well, I, I want to spend a little time, two minutes, talking about Graham Ashcraft. because Of course you do. It, the guy's a unicorn. It's ridiculous watching him pitch. He's so different than most other pitchers in baseball, all because he just basically only throws cutters and sinkers, 60% cutters in this one, I think like 25% sinkers with a few few breaking balls, off-speed pitches mixed in. But that cutter especially, he just throws it nonstop, and you make contact with it incessantly. He had no walks in one strikeout. The Mets put 26 balls in play in this game, And they couldn't even get close to scratching anything out against him, it felt like.
1: Yeah, I just, watching Graham Ashcraft, Graham Ashcraft, his
0: name feels like it should be Grant
1: Ashcraft. You could take it up with the Ashcrafts. Yeah, I'll take it up with the Ashcraft family. But watching him pitch and the way that the Mets were like sort of, kind of-ish hitting him, but not really for any sort of authority or power... I was so frustrated. I was murmuring to myself while we were watching this game, Graham Ashcraft, like every couple pitches, just because,
0: like, he's, I know you say he has the stuff, but watching him... I don't say him- he has the stuff. I've been just saying he's not bad. And it's all because of this color itself is a unicorn. It's, like, very ordinary in terms of, like, movement and, like, its approach angle, like the angle which it comes out of his hand towards the batter, that's your vertical approach angle. But it sits, like, between 95 and 100, yeah. which is something with a lot of movement, so that's something. And, like, coming into the start on the year, in a small sample, because he hasn't pitched that much in the majors, but... 85 batted balls against this uh, Cutter. A lot of pitches thrown. 58% ground ball rate, which is Tied. exorbitantly high. would be one of the highest of in Major League Baseball for a whole pitcher set. Average launch angle. I don't like average launch angle because it pop-ups like, send it really high, which is kind of dumb when you look at that. And like People talk about launch angle. But the average launch angle on Graham Astras' Cutter heading into the game was below zero. Yeah, so no one hits in the so air. So not even just ground balls. Like Balls are worm killers right away, right off the bat. And even when people do lift the ball in Graham Ashcraft's color, heading into this game had only an 84% exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. Where else are you going to get a deep dive on Graham Ashcraft? I don't even know if a Reds podcast will give you a deep
1: dive on Graham Ashcraft. Maybe, maybe like a really did, niche one. Yeah, maybe a very niche one. I mean, you just saw it with the game.
0: The match just didn't hit him particularly hard. But you made like, so much contact. They had nine hard hit balls off Ashcraft and just... They were just all on the ground. We had 26 balls in play, because like I said, one strikeout, no walks, 13 ground balls, so half our balls in play were ground balls, and six were pop-ups.
1: To be fair, though, well, I guess that wasn't technically against Graham Ashcraft now that I'm thinking about it, but the, the biggest ground ball of this game was the one that came off of Sterling Morte's bat late yes. in this game, which... Was not even a fair ball, it looks like. It looked like that ball might have been six hey, to seven inches foul. You're not an umpire. I'm not. I mean, I you wasn't there. You can't make a call. I wasn't there. We know Angel Hernandez was at second base, so yeah. he actually didn't even make this call. But the third base umpire, um, he saw it fair. Ball don't lie. That's what I'll say. Ball don't lie. That's when this game. So I really don't think that call. He actually made the right call by ball-don't-lie rules.
0: Yeah, and credit to Brandon Nimmo for getting on base with a big single before that after getting a brutal strike call. Yeah. Home plate umpire was all over the place all night on Wednesday. Umpi- the whole umpiring the series was a little bit all over the place. I mean, it's Angel Hernandez's crew. Yeah, and there was a, there was
1: a <laughs> couple rookie umpires as well. which I'm like, how do you pair Angel Hernandez and
0: rookie umpires together? Something doesn't add up there. Yeah, and then we tied it up in the ninth. After Adam Alavino, afterwards Adam Alvino pitched a clean bottom of the inning. He's been incredibly good, along with the rest of the Mets bullpen so, barrage tonight. Awesome. Also, Chad, Colin Holderman. he threw a scoreless inning in between there. Still keep this game at one run. Even though I don't remember if it was him. No, it was or him. That was him, right?
1: It was him who gave up a scary ball. Uh, SNY cameraman really didn't help us out there. My heart sunk. I was like, oh my god, no! And Jeff McNeil made a really nice catch in left field. Yeah.
0: Nice. I think he. I think he. I think he even also misjudged it. Maybe a little. He bit. He took a step too far back, jumped, and kind of reached out,
1: but yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but every time a ball gets hit in the air in Cincinnati, I think I have like PTSD from the the bouncy ball year, or, or even, no, the game last year. Well, the game last
0: year, but especially yeah. the bouncy ball year where it was like every single time the ball got hit in the air, there you're like, oh, that's a home run. It was gone. I had this weird conversation. We were actually having this conversation yesterday with our council. We celebrated. We celebrated this wonderful Mets deal that we have, but. People kind of forget that before the Reds had that little hot streak after the bouncy ball year when they had 2020, when they had a very good team, the season got short, and then they just couldn't score against the Braves for three games. They let Kevin Gaussman walk before that season oh yeah so they could have had a rotation in 2020 with Kevin Gaussman Trevor Bauer Luis Castillo yeah they could have they could have and, and Sonny Gray I believe I'm, I'm glad they don't isn't that crazy I'm Think glad about they that, don't. Looking yeah. back like that was a team that could have won a World Series but I digress because team's not gonna win a World Series for a long time no and they're not gonna win this game either in
1: game three because we talked about keeping it close we get to the 10th inning that's where everything busted open don't let Dom Smith get hot, I told you. It seems like whenever you start to doubt Dom Smith is when he starts to
0: turn it right back on. He's been great since being called back up. He has. Nine for 27 since being called back up from Syracuse. Talked about really using that time to clear his head and just kind of relax and like get back into baseball. Also allegedly made a, like, a tactical adjustment. He opened up his stance more. He says Nick Gip Gibson more able now to go swing through breaking balls and adjust the off-speed pitches. And if you remember, it was like the fifth inning, he got that nice double on the changeup. Yeah, no, he, he's been hitting the ball well. That right. would have been and a home run in what, like a bunch of parks, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think definitely in Wrigley and probably a couple of them. Oh, just one, actually. It was just Wrigley. Joe, just Wrigley. All right, great. So what? So that's one. But got a double. Six of his nine hits since coming off. Since coming back up from AAA, have also been doubles. And just hitting the ball harder, more consistently. I'm a doubles man. Big doubles man. Big doubles man. Love to see Dom Smith
1: swinging the bat well. Especially when I feel like a lot of the narrative coming into the series, during the series, that the DH spot hasn't necessarily been performing. And I think a lot hasn't. of people have their eyes set on some possible DH candidates on the trade market that we could possibly in the minor talk leaks. about or in the minors. So it's good to see that Dom Smith is maybe starting to heat up a little bit.
0: And there is an opportunity for Dom Smith. If Dom Smith gets hot right now, this will be his job again. For sure. Oh, you, you have to play the you, hot you, hand. You can. You can earn this back. And speaking of
1: getting hot. James McCann, big hit. Jim came into the game because Tomas got pinched at four in the ninth, and James McCann, huge, huge single, which like really right. extended the lead in this game. No, not really. It literally extended the lead in this yeah. game, and one run lead to I think a two or three run. lead. Oh well, especially with the guy on base, like that's yeah. that's now okay. We can breathe a little bit because the tying runs now. at Yeah, the plate. one run
0: lead to a two run lead, especially exactly. when you're the road team and that extra inning, you're not comfortable with one. Even with Edwin Diaz coming into a game, and even the inept Reds. I'm not gonna say I can say that now that we won the series, but I wouldn't yeah. have said that otherwise. You need two runs to actually give yourself a chance to win. And that, they intentionally walked Giorme. Yes. to face big hit, Jim. Biggest mistake they made. Do you think Luis Guillaume has ever been intentionally walked in his life?
1: You know, that's a fun fact and I or fun question, that's not yeah. a fact. Maybe uh, high school? Probably. I'm sure he was a stellar high... I'm sure he, if he hits 300 in the majors, I'm sure he hit 600 in high school baseball. I mean... But
0: I would love to ask him that. Like, go back to this time being intentionally walked Cincinnati. When was the last time you were intentionally walked in a baseball so game? So John just dropped us a stat twice last season. That's... Oh, well, but that was oh, 8
1: there pitcher. Yeah, with the pitcher. Didn't think about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, eight. that okay. makes sense. That was,
0: some, that was some oversight. But also, this McCann hit... Need to shout out Dom Smith, because he was chugging around third. He's Not the fastest guy. He never has been, but he was working hard to get there, and he had... An awesome slide, Phenomenal. evading the tag. The throw came in a little bit kind of behind the plate, and Dom went hardcore in, into the field, hook. Also shout to Brandon Nimmo because he got behind the
1: plate and he was pushing him to the side, yeah. telling him, you got to get over, you got to get over. Good team baseball stuff you like to see that is not going to show up in the books but yeah. shows up in the mind. She
0: should also double shout out Brandon Nimmo for his three-run home run right after that. Which,
1: that felt almost like a lock. I don't know why, but Brandon Nimmo in those situations, like, think about the game in St. Louis. Yeah, He got the home run right after some crazy yeah, stuff has go. happened.
0: Like, Brandon Nimmo takes advantage of chaos. Also, Brandon Nimmo's game was built for Cincinnati oh. at the Great American Ballpark. He would win MVP if he was an everyday player here. He, he, would, be, hit, he would be Winker. He'd hit 30 homers a year, get on base 400%. And it's funny, because him and Winker, when they were coming up, Jesse Winker, everyone knows him very well, Mets fans now, they were compare the lot because they were guys who could like had big frames and looked like they could tap into power but were never really able to do it but they had great plate discipline you have so many reds tidbits this episode i do i got a lot, you of, got a lot of information on the cincinnati reds well shout out my buddy reed one of my best friends from college he was a big reds fan okay i went to school in ohio a lot of reds oh, fans yeah, around you did go and, yeah to school in ohio i went to i went to many games at great american ballpark okay it makes more sense yeah, now it's really hot for the reds for those years but we needed this so badly. So badly. So badly. This whole episode would have been different. My whole mood would have been different. Tomorrow would have been different. The weekend would have been different if the Mets lose the series.
1: I was... We were in the group text, you know, talking, and I was, I was curmudgeon-y. That's oh, a yeah. Good, good word. S-A-T word. curmudgeon Great one. We haven't said that in a while, an S-A-T no. word of the day, but I was ready to be disgruntled. I was ready to, like I said, go like this, get mad, and be all upset, but... The Mets fought back like they have all year. John gave us another great stat here. It's the Mets' tenth win when trailing, entering the ninth inning since the start of last season, which is tied for the most in Major League Baseball with Tampa Bay Rays. Smart baseball team. It's a crazy stat. That's like I,
0: I know the Mets have made so many comebacks this year, but to see it like in physical form, is nice. There's one thing about that, too, that I think is undersold, and we've been saying it a lot, though, in this episode, and seeing the Rays being the other team with that amount of comeback wins, it's having a bullpen that is trustworthy. Yeah. And we've kind of been saying all year that I think this Mets bullpen is a little bit better than a lot of the fans give it credit for, because the, sure. the bullpen blows a game. It's easy to be like, these guys suck, I hate them. I mean, even this single series, we saw Lugo, Seth Lugo save a game and then blow a game. Yeah. Like, these guys just go back and forth. It's his nature of bullpens. But the fact that the Mets bullpen gives them a chance to win more often than not, significantly more often than not. That's how you stay in position and make these comebacks. If the Mets were not losing this game by one, they probably don't come back and win it. No. Like, that's how you do it. You, you don't let the other team get the insurance run, and you make a play. And that's how you win games like this. Yep. Mets end up winning the series on that one. I know it's a little weird we start
1: with game three, but the boys were buzzing, like we said, after seeing that win. Me and James were out outside watching the game. We were high-fiving, screaming, yelling. It was like... A very cathartic Mets win. Needed that because it could have been, it could have been at least a little more understandable for people calling for doomsday.
0: Even though it would still be crazy. Yeah, I had a lot of people in my Twitter mentions freaking out, saying it was terrible, awful. Team can't hit. And I went back and I answered most of them after. It'd be like eight runs, sixteen hits. It's one of the better offensive teams in baseball. I know, what are you right? talking about, guys? Like, what game were you watching?
1: We are in such a fortunate position where we can complain about playing well. Yeah. It's like one of the no, few exactly. times in my yeah. life it's I've ever been able it's to do It's a real that. first
0: world problem the Mets have right now. Oh, for sure. Big first world problem. Almost Come lost on. series to the Reds and Rangers, but didn't. <laughs> but didn't. But didn't. But like, what? Did four, four and two in that time. There which you is, go. We'll take it. We'll take it. Oh, I would no. love them in six and oh. No, we only won what is that, 75% of our games, yeah, over eight games against two not-so-good teams. But actually... Two teams who have both been about 500 since the second week of April. Crazy enough. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can
1: spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: There you go. The Reds were 3-22, and, and they're 25-31 since. Okay. That's not a pushover. It's not a push that's over. not a good team by any means. No. But that's not a team that you is going to lose every game, because they haven't. And now, to kind of backtrack a little
1: bit, let's talk about Game 1, 4th of July, of course. A great holiday. Feels it like
0: a month ago. Feels like
1: so long ago. This was only a three-game series, but it felt like a four. I don't know how it's possible, but... We started off this game interesting as well. Hunter Green on the mound. Yeah. Dude throws absolute gas, we, and we saw it from the start.
0: Yeah, we had the privilege as Mets fans of seeing three pretty interesting rookie pitchers in this game. Three of the better rookie pitchers in all of baseball. Hunter Green is nuts. He, he started out this game like not throwing as hard as you, we've gotten used to seeing Hunter Green so far this year. And in his young career, he was only sitting 95 and 97. By the fifth, sixth inning, he was working back up into a yeah. normal 100. Slider's ridiculous pitch. But he's also like the Hunter Green experience. You get two of the first seven Mets batters of this game. Like, yeah. It's kind of all over the place. The fastball is kind of straight, even though it's a hundred and the Mets, we're able to get the bat on the ball consistently here. Which was nice when Nimmo hit another Cincinnati home run. And They were, like, in the exact
1: same spot. Oh, yeah, that's his sweet spot yeah. right there. That's, like, uh, in City Field, that's right where the cutout begins in yeah. right field. fly ball. But in Cincinnati, it's a home run every time. And a nice three-run blast early in the game give us a nice little cushion, too, which we always like. Yeah, but then Brand Drury, former Met legend, possibly future Met, got right back with a three-run home run of his own. Yeah, I mean, the guy's the guys a hitter, and his swing plays very well in Cincinnati. Everyone's swing plays well in Cincinnati. Yes, yeah, I guess. I mean, some of the Mets' swings did not play that well since of this year. Lindor kept swinging the bat. Well, I shouldn't say kept swinging the bat because this is now game one, but Lindor was swinging the bat better in this game. So low yeah. shot. His swing looked good.
0: The bat looked quick. Lindor the rough games two and three of the series. Very, yes. very rough. Also, though, still one of the has one of the 20 highest F4s in all of baseball in top 10 in the National League. So everyone just keep that in your back pocket, even though these two games were bad. Overall play still good. Dom continued the scoring with a nice, like we mentioned, little, t- little double. time machine continued. Yeah, yeah. Little, t-
1: little time machine. This is when Dom was beginning to get hot. <laughs> we just saw the culmination of it, and he was hot. And then Escobar, we got a run from Escobar as well. There so like go. the Mets really just were better than the Reds in this game. Which hit, is, you hit
0: Hunter Green. He throws it, yeah. even though the fastball is 100 miles an hour, it's a hittable pitch. And just I think this gave us like a this was six runs or seven runs at this time, seven something runs, like yeah. that. And that was plenty for Taiwan Walker, who's just ridiculously solid once again. He went six innings. On Monday night, nine strikeouts, four hits, three earned runs, all in that one Brandon Drury home run, just one walk. Interestingly enough, this is one of Taiwan Walker's least whiff starts okay. in a long time. Fewest whiffs he's had in a start in a little while, only at eight. Six of them were on the slider, two fastball, and none on the split change, which was weird. First time in a while, that pitch wasn't very effective. And it kind of seemed like he didn't have a feel for it. Which is possible. Yeah, he only threw it 18% of the time on Monday, which is, which is the... Least often he's thrown the split change in any start since his first real start of the year on April 30th. Well, you told me uh, Cincinnati is a very humid city, correct? Does that have
1: anything to do with the split Grip, maybe I don't know. Why would they
0: make it less though? I, don't know, I feel like if it's like humid. More splits, maybe it's better. Maybe it's moist. It slips. I don't know. I guess possibly, but a lot of times the moisture helps a grip on a baseball. Okay, yeah, I know? can see that. I don't, yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that that much about pitching. But. And
1: I feel like I also saw a cutter in this game, just from spin on a slow mo. Again, it's, oh, it's yeah, slow motion. No, you're right. So. Threw six.
0: Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, and he that was a pitch he was throwing a decent amount earlier in the year. He hasn't thrown it for about a month. Now the last two starts he thrown ten total. Yep, we mentioned Holderman coming in game three. Came in in game one. Nice clean inning,
1: which is good because that was his first appearance back from the il right yes and he's he's a good he's a very solid reliever
0: for us You talk sh- about abc team bullpen he's yeah. right in the middle he's be a guy who will probably stick in this bullpen for a little while and, and then lugo closes out with a save yeah 14 pitches only one sinker the rest were fastballs and curveballs which that's oh, what actually we like. there are a couple sliders mixed in too but it's still not a bad pitch yeah we just, fine we like the fastball curveball that's what yeah. we like to see also a couple of more tidbits about taiwan walker 36 strikeouts over his last five starts Tied for his second most over any five-star span his major league career. 36 strikeouts since June 12th, fourth most in the NL over that span. He was running, like, a 25% strikeout rate since Scherzer went down. He was incredibly, incredibly helpful for us during that time in ERA, like, around, like, the low threes. I tweeted out the other day about how good Peterson and Taiwan were in the 40 games that Scherzer didn't play. Also, he was just an absolute, like, Marksman with his fastball in this game. He would just, he only threw six to lefties. I don't really know how many lefties the Reds even had in the lineup. Maybe uh, yeah, two? I don't remember now, honestly. Yeah, it's been, been a long time. This was a long game. But he was just like so dialed in that low and outside corner to righties. If you look at his pitch chart from the game, it was just filled it up right there. But great game for the Mets. Great pitching from Taiwan. Everything you needed. Yep, yeah, no, it was really good. And it was the 4th of July.
1: As good as that Mets game was, that might have been the start of the show that day. Cause it wasn't even close. I'm sure you guys are familiar with a man named uh, Joseph Chestnut but he is just a freak. And I know this doesn't really have to do with Mets baseball, but we have to appreciate the greatness that is Joey Chestnut. Fourth of July and Joey Chestnut are literally synonymous.
0: It's just like we're living in a time where there's such a dominant person at doing something on earth. Whether you think it's like an athlete or a sport, we can draw the line there. We don't know exactly where that falls. But Joey Chestnut, every single year on the Fourth of July, like clockwork, is going to show up at Coney Island at 12 noon and he's going to dominate all of the best competitive eaters on earth. I just think it's so funny because like the Nathan's
1: hot dog eating contest, basically for the time that we've been alive, has been like two guys. It's been Kobayashi and it's been Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut is, is stuck through. Yeah. He's clearly the GOAT. But I also love seeing them like prepare and get ready for this. Oh, like, yeah. You see him come off the bus and he had a broken foot. So he's hobbling. Like well, this, and is, there's, this is Super Bowl of competitive eating. Yeah, I know. There's, there's swarms of people around and people are going crazy to watch Joey, a man just Joey. devour hot dogs, which is also one of the grossest things you can watch someone do.
0: Absolutely. Chestnut put down 63 dogs in 10 minutes. Second place only had 47 and a half. And he did this, like Mark said, with a broken foot. And a foot that he broke a while ago didn't actually heal properly. Some tendon issue, they said in ESPN. And he he didn't even train. He put down 63 hot dogs in 10 minutes. It's his flu game. It was his flu game. It was his foot game. Foot game. (laughs) The ESPN announcers also had a lot of fun with this. Did you hear some of the commentary they were saying during this? No, I was kind of. I kind of had it on the background. Yeah, they were saying like, "There's no one as good as Chestnut. Maybe, maybe Mickelson and Blackjack."
1: (laughs) Wow, that's (laughs) unbelievable. No,
0: they they were nuts. They were like actually having a lot of fun with it. Seems like it was a point of them this year. They knew there were going to be a lot of eyes. Like they were going to try and have some fun. And this is Joey Chestnut's 15 win of the hot dog eating contest. 15 out of 16, seven in a row. The only one he lost. Was in 2015 to Matt Stoney, who I actually like Matt Stoney's YouTube channel. He's, he's a yeah, he's a yeah. YouTuber like me, so yeah, I gotta respect is. the game. Yeah. And he's decent content. I love watching these people eat crazy stuff. He he put down, he did like a pop rocks one that was nuts. Yeah. He did a Cocoa Puffs one that was crazy. Well, like like Oreos.
1: Uh, I believe they're called like uh, mukbangs, I believe. Yeah. Uh, are are big on the social
0: medias, whether he, it's TikTok or YouTube. And this guy will just like pound like he's also been big recently. He'll pull up to like a restaurant, like a like a fast food place, and he'll order one of everything on the menu. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, he'll yeah. just pull up with everything from Popeye's and eat didn't like 10 minutes. But that year, 2015, when Stoney beat Chestnut 62 to 60, allegedly the story goes that Chestnut's fiance broke it off with him not that long before the competition. He was like a broken man. He lost the love of his life. Listen, he's human. And he still, almost, he still get only lost my two dogs. Imagine it took an immaculate performance from Stony to win. That was that's almost more impressive than all the just
1: eating sixty <laughs> hot dogs. Like that's like a year's worth of hot dogs for
0: me, and I eat a like, lot of hot dogs. I, I pounded six at the barbecue this on Fourth of July. At three that's that's significantly more hot dogs than most people eat in their entire lives. Almost in every probably that's more hot dogs than every person not in this country eating their entire lives. Yeah, I I'm, I hope my mom's not listening to this one. She'd be very disappointed <laughs> to hear that I ate six hot dogs on the Fourth of July. She's very anti-hot dog for Mark Luino. I want to run through some of other joey chestnut's other eating uh, records and triumphs over the years because it's kind of insane what this guy can do and these numbers are like staggering to the average person his record for hot dogs is 76 in 10 minutes which that's is just a del- shock del- it's amount. delusional <laughs> i'm gonna also gonna run through some of the crazy ones because when you're competitive either you eat everything all through the year like weekend wise you're going out you're winning these tournaments joey chestnut has eaten 24 pounds and eight ounces of red beans and rice in eight minutes that's it that's, that's a heavy meal that's too much 28 pounds of poutine in 10 minutes. That's poutine, thick, fries, gravy. Cheese. 18 pounds and 9 ounces of shrimp cocktail in 8 minutes. 30 euros in 10 minutes? 30. That's a lot. Pita, ziki, it's ridiculous. 165 pierogies in 8 minutes. How the hell? How the hell? And the last one, this is a crazy one. Actually, I kind of like all three. I'm just going to rip them off. 25 cat's pastrami sandwiches. Thirteen pounds of deep-fried asparagus. It's too much. And this is the grossest one by far. hundred forty-one hard-boiled eggs in eight minutes. I don't even want 141. to hear. it. hundred forty-one. That's almost twelve full dozens. When I first heard it, I had a visceral reaction. I, I gagged. <laughs> I was. I was twelve like, dozen hard-boiled eggs. That is
1: a disgusting amount of hard-boiled uh, eggs to crazy. eat. The dude is simply the goat of eating. He is the most dominant eater that we have ever seen. And this kind of is a nice little segue. Look at that. Pro pro podcaster here. Good segue into our big three of dominance. This just doesn't have to be about sports. This brief brief ha- the big three. Yeah, the big three. So me, James... And our producer, John, we come up with one big thing that we're going to choose each under a grand category. So the theme today is going to be dominance. Because of how dominant Joey Chestnut is in the hot dog eating contest. So 15 out of 16. Doesn't have to be an athlete. Doesn't have ha- oh, Also, 18 hot dog win- average winning margin for Chestnut. There you go. Drop another staff. for 18 us. 18 dogs. But yeah, it doesn't have to be anything specific. It doesn't have to be an athlete. It doesn't have to be, you know, it, whatever you consider dominant is what we're going with here. And I'm going to get it started because for me... When I think of dominance and I'm um, you know you could you could say Michael Jordan you could say some of the great athletes of all time but how about the Beatles? The Beatles are the kings of music. 20 number 1 hits all time which is the most ever God, sick. they're the best-selling artists of all time not just in the united states but in the entire world apparently over 800 million units sold worldwide of their music which is just a shocking amount 183 million in the united states which is 30 more than number two on that list which is garth brooks that's about Legends. as many total units as the dave matthews band or britney Spears has britney spears have sold in their career which is <laughs> like that's the difference between number one and two they spent 1,278 <laughs> weeks at the top of the charts, which is 800, 8,946 8, days or roughly 24 and a half years. That makes sense. That's it, it. The numbers are crazy. They yeah. just continue to go. And that's just for like, top of the charts. Remember, they could have a number two, Absolutely. a number three, a number four. They were unbelievable. When they went on the Ed Sullivan show, which was like the hot talk show of the time in 1964, 73 million people watched it, which is still to this day, one of the most viewed shows of all time in television history. Rolling Stones declared them, Rolling Stone, not Rolling Stones, the band, the, the uh, publication declared them the best artist of all time. In 2019, they made 67 million dollars on royalties, and just for some more crazy mo- uh, numbers, Paul McCartney is worth 1.2 billion. John Lennon, who's dead, is, is worth 800 million. He's a billionaire? Yeah, he's worth that much. I don't yeah, know if he's yeah, actually yeah, got yeah. that much. Ringo and George are worth 400 million dollars each. And I mean, I feel like the best way to sum this up is one of their most famous concerts was at Shea Stadium. It was an absolute. I wish I was there. I, I wish was, I could have experienced it. I think it was one of
0: the it. first they did in America.
1: It was unbelievable, and they literally have a part, or a chunk of Central Park. Named after one of their songs, Strawberry Fields. Really? For guys who are from the United Kingdom. Yes. It's unbelievable. Literally named after one of their songs. I love the Beatles. One of my favorite music artists of all time. My dad basically had me grow up with them in the background. The Beatles, for me, are dominance. The Beatles are the greatest of all time. When you think of music, you think of the Beatles. So that is my pick for the big three. James, what's yours?
0: My pick, very different direction. I'm going with Jeopardy superstar James Hall's Similar, Same name. Yeah. Oh, yeah, another James. Big James day. James McCann. Big James hit. McCann, yeah. Uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Big Hits. Big Kid yeah. Jim. Big Kid Jim. Big Kid Jim, new nickname. But James Holzhauser revolutionized the game of Jeopardy in like basically a one-month span a few years ago. He completely turned it upside down, completely. 32-game win streak, which is only the fourth-longest win streak of all time and doesn't even hold a stone to Ken Jennings' 70-something-game win streak. But Holzhauer made so much money on Jeopardy, he changed the way the game was played afterwards. He, ha- cons- he holds the 12 highest-earning single games of Jeopardy ever, and 16 out of the top 17. His average winning game of Jeopardy was $77,000. There was only one other person whose max win was better than that. That's crazy. That's insane. That's insane. That's his average, and holds how as his record, put down over 130 grand in a single episode. Oh my God. Yes, took home over three mil over his stretch there. 97% correct question rate. I think it was 71 out uh, of 75 daily doubles hit. The guy, and he, he would like max out his daily double bets. Average bet in a daily double was nine grand. The guy was a living legend. He took numbers and math into jeopardy somehow for the first time ever. It's crazy that no one was like, I'm going to push it all in the middle and risk it all at every single game and just be right all the time. Isn't
1: Holzhauer a big baseball guy too?
0: Freak baseball guy. Yeah. He said that that was one of his like first introductions to like data and stats. Like I think he said he got Excel when he was a kid. And just filled it with every baseball stat in the world. Yeah, no. And I think he was accosted to like work. No, I think cost is the wrong word there. I think he was reached out to to work for some front offices after this incredible run, and the guy's like a freak with data, smart guy. Yeah, and I think he was just he wanted too much freedom. He's also like a professional gambler. Yeah. So I think he wanted to try and maintain that. And I don't think any professional baseball team would allow that. To <laughs> no, I don't think so. And crazily, Holzhauser said that he prepared for this run of jeopardy by going to May rest in peace his local Barnes and Noble. And just reading every single book in the children's section. Oh my God. Getting a tiny little bit of data on every single thing that ever existed. So we had a little bit to go through for everything. And just, again, that's that. 12 highest earning games ever, and his average winning game of $77,000 per game, higher than every other single game ever besides for one. It was only eighty-three dollars Yeah, James Holzhauser's... Uh, Holzhauser? Holzhauser. He's a
1: beast. Dominant. He's, a, he's on a couple different shows now with all the other Jeopardy oh, guys, really? too. Yeah, where nice. they... It's like the beast or whatever. You gotta yeah. be smart. These guys yeah. are smart.
0: I I, had, I used to watch so much Jeopardy in high school. Like you said, he literally broke the game. Literally, literally. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. The legend. Yep, the legend. James Holzhauser, the Beatles,
1: and that leads us to our third and final piece of the Big Three, Produ- Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: I mean, after what I just heard from the two of you, (laughs) I'm almost embarrassed by what I have. I was going with, with a much more simplistic answer to the question. Um, I don't even know how I came up with this one, but. How many bobblehead doll uh, giveaways did you guys attend over the years at, at Chase Stadium? It a, feel a, lot. a lot. A few. Yeah, the Andy Andy shot shots was over the, the walls wall the best. best. Many, many good bobbleheads given away over the years. And I was thinking, and I don't know, I must have at least 20. And I, I swear, they are all sponsored by Gold's hors- Horseradish. Nothing dominated bobblehead day at Chase Stadium the way that Gold's horseradish dominated bobble a day and it'll take it one step further. And I'm not going by your fancy numbers, you know, with all your data, there's a lot of data here on the show, a lot of data, but the way that the gold's horseradish dominates the sinuses, <laughs> I mean, you just think all, all you need is a drop. That's it. I've never experienced domination like that. Mm-hmm. So that's my answer. Haters can say what they want about it. But I got Gold's Horseradish, number one most dominant in its
0: arena. That's it. Okay. This would be a hilarious, like, uh, like weird, funny mind game if we just, like, put these three things on the internet. Like, what do Gold's Horseradish, the Beadle, and James Holzhauser have in common? It, I can't imagine the Venn diagram has a lot of
1: overlap. No, almost it. none besides dominance right in the middle. Dominance is right in the middle, and that's the big three. First time we're doing it. The Big Three. First official time. First official time. First time that you guys have seen that we did the Big Three. (laughs) We're now all on the same page. You guys, over on social media, wherever you can get in contact with us, let us know who had the most dominant of the Big Three. Either me, James, or Producer John. Let us know. That's the Big Three. Let's move on to game number two here to wrap up this series. Game two stunk.
0: Yeah, it was Game two
1: wasn't a poop fest. It was just simply a
0: game that I wish never happened, and I don't really want to think about much. It was just... We have to lead it by talking about the fact that Max Scherzer did return after his 41-game absence yeah, and for threw sure. a gem. But this was such a classic, quintessential Mets loss, like from the good old days. Like this felt like one of those terrible 2010, 2013, the 2017 DeGrom run. Like you know this what that felt
1: was like, what? That was Max Scherzer's initiation into being it a. It kind of was, Met. yeah. Basically, you, you, now you're here, yeah. you're
0: official, and this that also really had the t- the emotional tide moving in a bad way ahead of what ended up being a, an incredibly dramatic and great win from Wednesday. But the way that this game played out with Max Scherzer's gem and the Mets not scoring a run and no. losing one nothing in the ninth inning, it's just, oh, my God, painful. But we got to talk about Max Scherzer first before we talk about the pain because this ends up being a positive episode against all odds. Yes. So we're going to talk about good things. Not Keep not talk it positive. about bad things. We're only talk about Max this game. Max Scherzer started this game against Jonathan India, k him up off the bat, Got through the next two batters and only a few pitches. Nine pitch first inning with a big strikeout to lead it off, and you were just like, "He's back. He's so back." Like watching him pitch was wonderful. It was it was a pleasant thing to partake in. It, it's been it's been so long. It was May when you went down, May 18th. We're past the Fourth of July. We missed the, like a big part of the meat of the summer. Max Scherzer here we missed like 40 games and uh, 41. 41, and it was great to have him back right from the start. Like you said, he was just. Cooking from the beginning, literally only one red reached third base in this game, and that was in the second inning where Scherzer hit hit someone, I think to lead off the inning, or yeah, maybe with one out, something like that. Dude, he had 11 Ks in six innings. I don't care about the hit by he, a pitch. He retired. I'm just saying that there was only one guy yeah. that, to reach third base, and it was on some BS. He retired the last eight reds he faced before leaving the game after six. wound up with those six innings, 11 strikeouts, no walks, no earned runs, just two hard hit balls, 80 pitches. I think it was actually 79 in the dot, but. Just ridiculous. He had four strikeouts with his four-seam fastball, four with his slider, two with his cutter, one with his changeup. And also, he hit 97.1 miles an hour on a fastball to get Matt Reynolds looking. And that was tied for his fastest pitch of the season.
1: Love that. Love to see that from a guy coming back from injury. Scherzer made sure that when he was coming back, he would be ready. As he said, I will not have a setback. I will not have a setback. And it really did look like Max Scherzer came back and was fully healthy and ready to just pick up where he left off. Absolutely. And now John's telling us he has a Max Scherzer trivia question for us that I'm very excited to hear. Yeah, I'm excited. John's, John's got all the stats and trivia for us, and he stumped us last time. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see if we can do a little bit better on this one.
2: All right. So Max Scherzer, 11 strikeouts, no logs, does so at the age of 37 years, 343 days old. Only 10 different pitchers have done so, 11 strikeouts or more, no walks and a start, at an older age than Max's 37 years, 343 days. I'm gonna give you two of them, because I'm just gonna say, we're not guessing them. Okay, okay who are, who are they? they? So, Dazzy Vance. No I'm not problem. Probably not. Dazzy Vance, guys, and maybe I'm- No, I, 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 knew, I, knew, I know Dazzy Vance,
0: but no way I would have guessed no him. No shot.
2: The other one is Harvey Haddocks.
0: Yeah, that was a tough one, too. Okay, I got one. I got, I got so one. There are now
2: eight more. Okay, I'm I got gonna,
0: one. I'm going to say Maddox. Greg Maddox? No. Wow. Nolan Ryan?
2: Yes.
1: Oh, let's go. Nice. Randy Johnson? Yes. Okay. Schilling? No. Smaltz?
2: No. Wow,
1: you, you guess another one. Pedro Martinez? Nope. Oh, I thought Pedro would have been on there for sure. Oh, Roger Clemens yes okay so that's three that's three there's there's a few more sprinkled in there we can't spend too much time thinking yeah. but, negro Ooh. no Ooh. the knuckleball is a little yeah. tough that's what uh, probably yeah. got you i'm just
0: looking for an old guy oh man an
1: old good pitcher i'm gonna throw out one more oh, name. verlander here. Ooh. no wow verlander was a good guess but he's not that old i don't think i guess not yeah not that old um my last guess is going to
0: be I can't walk out of here with none. No, you got. You have to get one. Actually, no. think real quick. I'm thinking. You you get one. I'll, I'll keep thinking. What about, what about Tom, Tom Seaver? I'll
2: give you guys. I'll give you guys a clue. Two of them are still going right now.
0: Is Tom Seaver one? No, not going. Not still going. Okay, I know. He no, would, I
1: understand. Yeah, he's yeah, not yeah, still he, pitching. He's a statue in front of the ballpark. Yeah, I'm aware. Okay. Uh still going. Man, that's that involves a really old pitcher. That they're still going. That means they did it.
0: You said the age is 37.
2: Um, older than 37 years, 343 days. Oh, man, that's, that's crazy! Who's that's the oldest awesome. pitcher in the game right now?
0: Who's the oldest pitcher in the game right now? Pitch for the
2: Mets last year.
0: Pitch for the Mets last year. Is a bad oh, point. Rich Hill.
2: Correct. Nice. Go. Good one. I <laughs> still don't have one. <laughs> I know. I don't think I'm gonna get one. I'm out. All right. All right. So All right. I give you guys the other three. Yeah. What, what are, are they? they? All right. Cy Young. Ah. Uh, uh, okay. Jamie Moyer. Oh. oh we should. Yeah. just. That was a little hanging fruit. He was like he's seven. The other when he was one's still going. Charlie Morton. Oh, that's such a lot. Charlie. Charlie. That's
0: a bad performance by me. That was terrible.
2: Hopefully a little redemption next week. Yeah, listen,
0: yeah, that was yeah, better yeah, than our first. Attempt. That was that yeah, was I better. better trivia. Well, at least I was better. Yeah, you I, was, I, was, worse. I yeah. was worse. I was worse. I was significantly worse. You had a
1: rough one. You were, you know what? You were very busy getting your stats for Max Scherzer and yeah. Joey Chestnut and James Holzhouser. Exactly. This episode. Yeah. You couldn't
0: be bothered with thirty-seven-year-old pitchers and work, and I got to go in tomorrow at eleven twenty. Yeah, you got a real job. <laughs> bike home. I mean, we're
1: not talking about the rest of this game
0: too. Game two was nice no, stunk. I just I want to say Lodolo's good. He's a good pitcher. It wasn't like getting shutouts terrible, but he is good. He actually matched Max with fifteen whiffs, eight strikeouts at four and two thirds with only one hard hit ball. It was a bad game. It was a bad game. We had chances. It wasn't good. Lugo was not good in back-to-back days. It wasn't good. That's it. But we won the series. Won the series, so we don't care about game two anymore. And some other crazy stat here, because going game one, game two, game three, John got this one for us. If you guys have been watching the Mets this year, you could probably tell that they have a bit of a pattern. Just a little slight pattern. It feels like you win game one, you lose game two, you win game three. The Mets' record in game ones of series this year is 20 and six. Game two? 10 and 16, And in Game 3, 17-7. So yeah, if you had that suspicion,
1: you would have hit the nail on the head. You would have been 100% correct. I don't know why. I, I don't see a reasoning behind this, but the Mets play well at the start and the end of the series, and the middle is just kind of a coin flip almost. Basically. Which is like kind of a really lazy way to think about it, but... The Mets win series, and really, at the end of the day, like we said at the beginning of the year, if you win two of three every single time, you are going to be a very successful team. The Mets are testing that because they have, what, three sweeps? Yeah. And, like, they, and, then, and then, like, Are you kidding me? They just, they, we're, we're a little allergic to sweeping right now. But, hey, it's all right. The Mets are playing well. The Mets are still winning games. And uh, I think that's a perfect way for us to kind of branch out now into our series preview going up against the Miami Marlins for a four-game series. A lot of stuff going on at the ballpark this weekend, specifically Keith Hernandez's retirement, retiring jersey number 17 in the rafters. Should be a fun day out at the ballpark on Saturday. Long overdue. Yeah, long overdue. We'll be there for sure. Hopefully, you guys will be, too. If you do, say what's up. We want to meet you guys. Absolutely. I think we'll be there Friday, too. Yeah. John. We have a new segment, I believe, that we wanted to try out as well. We got a lot of new segments this time. Mm-hmm. We're calling it Estimate. Me and
0: James, every single episode, are going to take basically blind shots in the dark. Yeah, at some question that John's going to give us, and we're going to tally these up at the end of the season, and one of us going to have to do something dumb. We haven't decided what it is yet. We'd love your guys' input. It's either going to be wear, wear a suit or a tuxedo at a Mets game, or it's going to be put on the full kit, cleats, baseball pants, socks, tuck it in for a game or some kind of eating contest, but Mark and I both have a lot of dietary restrictions, so <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do that. Or it could be like um some kind of physical endurance competition, run a mile in the ballpark, run the stairs 100 times, something crazy like that. Which would be easy for James. For it me re- It would be
1: relatively easier for me. For, for Mark it would be good contest. Yeah, for the YouTuber who stays inside <laughs> by choice. Uh, might not might not be a quick mile if I yeah. I don't know the last time I've ran a mile. I don't know the last time you've ran in general. Besides the first base in softball, yeah, that's probably the last time <laughs> yeah. I ran in Joe. was playing baseball, and that's softball. not happening too often. I played the baseball game against. You the did. Softball you offense. played those yeah. three
0: baseball games. <laughs> yeah. a month ago, I
1: almost got a hit. <laughs> All right, so John, how long Keith's speech? I believe that's what we're going to
2: go with. That is what we're going to go with. Saturday afternoon, the big day, retiring Keith Hernandez is number seventeen, as you guys mentioned. You guys tell me, how long will the speech be, Mark?
1: I'm gonna say
0: two and a half minutes.
1: That's crazy.
0: So are we are we are we doing are we doing prices right rules?
2: We are doing prices right rules.
0: Okay. You said two and a half? Two and a half. Two minutes and 31 seconds wow. is my guess. Wow. <laughs> wow. Scumbag move. So we got to win. This is, we're here
1: to win. All right. Well, I'll make sure the next one that you pick first 100%. so that I can scumbag yeah, yeah. you back. It's <laughs> exactly. this is, this is just
0: going to become a back and forth then.
1: Listen, we'll have a, um, we'll have a tally. We'll have a leaderboard so that yeah. we know by the end of the year. Who is the winner and who is the who is the loser? And, and then who will we'll be doing we'll
0: help, we'll work on the punishment with help from you guys too. And but if we, if we go a few weeks here and it ends up just being alternating because whoever just like schemes the other person better, we'll create some bylaws maybe about how the guesses are gonna yeah, work. Yeah, well, we'll see if how fair play this game yeah, ends but up being played. Everyone keep an eye on Keith Hernandez's speech because now we basically just create an over under. Basically, if it's under two minutes and thirty seconds, Mark wins, which that would be that would be kind of shocking. If it's uh, over two minutes <laughs> and thirty seconds, I'm gonna win. Yeah, you really did get a <laughs> huge advantage
1: there by me taking <laughs> so the bad guess. Sorry, right. I, I won on the big three today, so I don't all have right. to worry about that.
0: Now, let's go ahead and preview the series. What are our pitching matchups looking like? Pitching matchups, the Marlins series. Thursday, we have Trevor Williams versus Daniel Castaño. That, that's like that's kind of just like, look each other in the eye, hope you do it. We gotta hit Daniel Castaño this time. We yeah. have to. Marlins are also coming into the series pretty hot. Their winners are six of the last seven. Six in a row until Shohei Otane shut them down on Wednesday, who's one of the best pitchers in baseball, but they're a team that is playing good ball. Last time we got them, it felt good, but they just did we're missing like two or three regulars in their lineup. Yeah, Joey Wendell and Brian Anderson are back, and those are very good ball players. And we also didn't see Jesus Aguilar. Yeah. So there would Wendell, be. Wendell. Wendell has 800 OPS this year. He's a good ball player. Very good ball player. But, came from the Rays. Of course he's smart. Yep. And then Friday, Chris Bassett versus Pablo Lopez, who Pablo Lopez just for some reason can't pitch against the Mets, so pitch well against everybody else. Hopefully we get that going again. Also, Chris Bassett return. Kind of a long layoff. We hope there's not much rust there. Saturday, Keith Day. Carlos Carrasco versus Braxton Garrett. We saw how well we got a hold of Braxton Garrett last time, even though it wasn't really as well as it could have been. You just see that a, there was a hittable ball. Yep. That's Carl- the way to describe it. Cookie coming off of a decent start. So Yep. And then Sunday, it's going to be a fun one, guys. Taiwan Walker versus Sandy Alcantara. Taiwan got the better of him the first time that they matched yeah. up against each other. Right? Second time, second time. This is second gonna be our time. third time facing Sandy this year, which is that's annoying. But, but was Taiwan for all three of those games? I think no. Just one had of them first one was Bassett, second one was Taiwan. That's what I'm.
1: That's why I said you yeah. got
0: the better of him the first time.
1: Hopefully, he gets the better of him again in yes. this game four, which will be Sunday. These four game series are so long.
0: I know, especially Thursday to Sunday.
1: I'm so tired of playing the Marlins. I said it when we played them the last time. They just like John Birdie. Like we're gonna see him be annoying again. We went
0: from having not played the Marlins this year to now. This is going to be uh, twelve games in a month. Yeah, third. Time, just like we played the Phillies for like like 15 yeah.
1: games in the first month. And we still haven't played the Braves. Yeah, so just no no Atlanta Braves games, and no. I know that's the team that everyone has circled because they are, you know, getting closer, but the Mets are still 20 games above 500. So. And
0: you got to be careful for the trap series here because we got the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta on Monday. And Max Scherzer will be pitching Monday. He got yes. pushed back, technically because
1: Bassett's now in the rotation. There was a way where ba- or Scherzer could have pitched Sunday against Sandy Alcantara,
0: and we could have had a real ace-off. Yeah, but I'd still rather have the ace-off on Monday of Max Scherzer versus Max Fried. Definitely, definitely. Max-off. Yeah, Ma- oh, Mac- Max-off, yeah. Max-off, that's pretty cool. Okay, Max. hopefully Scherzer gets the win for us there. And also, before we leave you guys, we need to briefly talk about Jacob deGrom, because he made his first rehab start on Sunday just after we recorded our last episode. He just threw a bunch of pitches 100 miles an hour. He struck out, I think, five of the six batters he faced. Five of the six he faced, yeah. Yeah,
1: so there you go. What are you going to do? Dominant. He was facing 18, 19-year-old kids.
0: Everyone just, you know what? Everyone just stay calm. Yeah, everyone just stay, stay calm.
1: calm. He also will have another rehab assignment on Friday. Oh, so Thursday or Friday? A Friday. Okay. So a few days after you guys, or a day after you guys will be listening to this. DeGrom will also be pitching again, so keep an eye out for the St. Lucie Mets they're gonna be posting all their stuff. This is a great time to be a St. Lucie
0: Met social media rep. Absolutely. Just missed the Palm Beach Cardinals. I think we said that last time, but they're every single social media rep who's working these low A baseball games, grinding every single day for no engagements. This is your shot. This is the Super Bowl. Jeff. Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> Jacob deGrom on the mound is yeah. your guys' Super Bowl. I think that's
1: a perfect way for us to wrap up this episode here. Finishing up this red series, going into the Marlins one. Keith Hernandez retirement day coming up. If you guys are not yet following us on all our social media, make sure you do at Mets stuff. Like we said, the YouTube video will be on the Mets channel. The New York Mets YouTube channel. So go over there to watch that. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, share it with your friends, follow us, subscribe, whatever you do. It really does help us out. Follow James on Twitter at James Shiano. Follow me at Giraffe Neck Mark. And that's where we'll wrap it up, guys. We'll see you after the Marlin series for episode 108. Peace out.
0: I'm Keith Hernandez. Get up. Get, get up. Get up.